Welcome to the Dennis Jernigan Podcast. One of the main goals of this podcast is to help you, the listener, learn to see life from a different point of view. Life is an amazing gift, but life, if we're all honest, is littered with moments of pain. I'm talking physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, relational pain, and as long as we're being honest, life has more than its fair share of sorrow and suffering. At times, life doesn't seem fair. My wife, Melinda, and I are no different than you. We are human, and we experience pain and sorrow and suffering and loss and discouragement and all the storms life tends to throw our way. But we have chosen to do this. We have chosen to walk in joy. You can probably tell by the way I speak and the timbre of my voice that I'm dealing with a health issue. Maybe you can't. I do not hide the fact that I have been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. But the reality is Parkinson's does not define me, nor does it dictate to me how I will live my life. Melinda and I have honestly chosen to see this season of our life from God's point of view, and and we believe with all our heart that he can even use Parkinson's for our good and for his glory. And one of the ways we've chosen chosen to do that is to be open and honest about the struggles we face in the hope that someone out there going through a a health crisis of their own, will find grace to see it from a different point of view and find joy even in the midst of their own crisis. I say all that to say this. The purpose of this podcast is to help you find healing for your wounds, find hope in your despair, find intimacy in your loneliness, find refuge from the storms of life, basically to help you find a deeper walk with Jesus. There's one thing I have come to know after having lived all these years now, and it is this. Our God wastes nothing. He does not waste our sorrows. He does not waste our wounds. He does not even waste our failures. Hi, I am your host, Dennis Jernigan, and today's podcast is very special to me due to the special guest I get to interview today. I had the privilege of interviewing her a few weeks ago, and people enjoyed that podcast so much that I started receiving requests for another interview session with her, especially from her many grandchildren. I am so blessed and honored to welcome my mom, Peggy Jernigan, back to the Dennis Jernigan podcast. Hi, Mom. How are you doing today? Hey, Dennis. I'm doing great. (laughs) Uh, What kind of feedback have you gotten since our first interview aired back in February of this year? Me? Yeah. I don't think, well, from the grandkids, I've got feedback. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. What'd they think? Well, they think I'm hilarious. They always <laughs> have thought that. That's a good thing. <laughs> we uh, aired that first interview uh, back on February 28th of this year, and it was very well received, especially by your grandkids. They're, I'll make no bones about it. Many of today's questions, in fact, most of today's questions were sent in by your grandkids. Oh, great. <laughs> and mostly my kids. Uh, they began messaging me as soon as they listened to the first podcast. So uh, most of these questions you can blame directly on them. I probably have too many questions for you, and we could probably turn this episode into a two-parter, but we'll just jump right in and see how far we get. Are, are you ready? I'm ready. First has to do with dad, and uh, this is an off-the-wall question. Daddy had a, y'all had a pontoon boat, and would he would take all the grandkids fishing on Lake Eufaula. My question is, what would y'all, what would y- you pack for lunch for the kids, or what would he pack? Well, he would pack minus sausages <laughs> and crackers. <laughs> 
and <laughs> or ta- spam. That's what I remember: Vanish sausages and spam. Uh-huh. And he would take all of them out on the boat by himself. Well, I went some, but mostly he took the boys. Well, I just remember thinking about having all the kids on that boat. We and- have had them all. <laughs> That was just one of the things the kids brought up. Right. Uh, speaking of the pontoon boat, the kids wanted me to have you share about the time when you had a sleepover on the pontoon boat, but you were annoyed because they weren't going to sleep. So what did you do? Well, we we all had a pillow, and it was summer. We didn't even have quilts. We all had a pillow, and if you've ever slept on the floor of a pontoon boat, <laughs> anyway, I was just, by midnight, I was wanting to go get in my bed. And so we were looking at the stars, and I said, Oh, look, kids, there's an F U. Not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) We've got to leave that in. (laughs) A UFO. (laughs) Oh, that's different. There's a UFO, and the next thing I know, I'm on the pontoon boat all all by myself. They've all gotten their pillows and run in the house. So your trick was to get them scared enough to go inside and go to sleep. Right. Well, they they wanted me to ask you about Crybaby Bridge too. Well, I I never did go to Crybaby Bridge, but Patsy's girls took your girls to Crybaby Bridge, and when you drive over it in it sounds like a baby crying. It's an old, old bridge. And so they would take people over there, like after dark, and they put your girls in the back of the pickup <laughs> and drove over Crybaby Bridge, and they stopped in the middle of the bridge, probably, which made it even worse. But Crybaby Bridge is still there, and Patty Ann went across it. She had it on Facebook a few, maybe a week or so ago. Oh, really? So Crybaby Bridge is still there. I just remember being so afraid to go to Crybaby Bridge when I was little. The, the legend continues. <laughs> right. Uh, one of the kids told me to ask you about the times when you would tell them to go play in the barn and climb on the hay. Oh, Sam had his hay stacked in the barn. And who is Sam? you got to oh, tell them who Sam is. their Uncle Sam, Dennis's <laughs> brother. <laughs> and he would come and run them out of the barn and come and tell me, don't let the kids play on my hay. And as soon as he'd leave, I'd say, okay, kids, you can go back to the hay. <laughs> the kids uh, love that memory for some reason. Uh, they also wanted me to ask you about the pranks that they would pray, you would have them play on each other and stuff. Well, they did a lot of that. One night, the boys got magic markers and wrote on the girls and put, <laughs> tied their legs and I don't know what all oh in the gosh. middle of the night while they were asleep. And... Uh, I don't. I, they probably did more than I knew about. Well, this is more than I knew, so I'm learning oh. all kinds of stuff myself. <laughs> uh, going back to your school days, what would you do when your favorite song came on the radio? Oh, the girls I ran around with. Uh, you have to remember this is in the 1950s, and Elvis was real popular, and his song... Don't be cruel. When a carload of us girls were out driving, no matter where we were, when Don't Be Cruel came on the radio, we all got out of the car and danced. If it was at a red light or one time we stopped out in the middle of the highway out by our house and we got out and danced. But 
Back then, there wasn't that much traffic like there is now. No. <laughs> Still, that's just funny. Uh, Hannah wanted me to ask you about the time you threw the ring back at Daddy. What's she talking about? I don't know. I don't remember that. She said that you had a ring and you told grand, uh, their granddad, my dad, that you wanted to have fun as a single woman with her, your sisters and friends, so you threw your ring back at him. Oh, that was before we were married. <laughs> well, I didn't even know about that, so oh. tell me about this. Me and Patsy and Margaret. Margaret may not want me to tell her name. Too late. I won't tell her last but name. we wanted to go to the <laughs> fair without our boyfriends. And then even if we had told them <laughs> we want to go by ourselves, they would go to the same fair and we'd wind up with them anyway. So we all broke up with our boyfriends. <laughs> and they were so mad at us. But that's probably what Hannah is thinking about. Well, I probably gave Grandpa back his class ring because I had oh, it. Oh, that makes so, sense. That, yeah. Uh, what? Speaking of Daddy, what's one of your favorite memories of him? Oh, gosh. I wish you'd asked me that before. Um, well, he, he was always so good to me. One thing, after he died, he always washed my windshield before I went anywhere he would go out and wash my car windshield and I never asked him to do it but he always did it that's that makes me feel good speaking of daddy and this involves you too so I just want you to tell the people about the time we went on the ministry trip to Florida and you couldn't find the money bag after one of the concerts oh my goodness after the concert, we went. Me and Grandpa went back to the hotel, but the rest of you went out and ate something. And it was at we were at a hotel on the beach, and uh, so we went in the hotel, got in the elevator, and I set the money bag down on the floor of the elevator for something. And we were like on the sixth or seventh floor, and when we got up there, I did pick the money bag up, but I couldn't remember doing it when we. We got in the room, and then I got to looking and asking your daddy, where's the money bag? And we couldn't find it. There was a woman had gotten on the elevator gotten on the elevator after we got off. So I thought maybe she had picked up the money bag. So we go down to the uh, front desk, front desk, and we tell them, and so, they called the security guard, and the the woman was going to go out and walk on the beach, I guess. And the security guard went and followed her around on the beach, and he said she didn't have anything anyway. They called the police out there, and I had to give a report to the police, and everybody was hunting for the money bag and all this commotion. And uh, they sent your daddy back up to the room to look for the money bag, and he went, I know, at least four times back up there looking, couldn't find it. Then you guys all came in from uh, for the night, and you guys helped hunt. We searched all over the Yeah, hotel. and so anyway, then it was all over, and we were going to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and start back home. Y'all were going to stay longer. And, uh, it, and then... So by the time this is all over, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning when we finally get in bed. Well, we'd just lay there and laugh. Every time we'd think about it, we'd laugh. Oh, no, before that, 
when me and him went back up in the room, I said, okay, Robert, now we came in the door, and I walked over here, and I did this, and there laid this money bag. <laughs> it was between, the TV was in a cabinet, and it was between the TV and the cabinet. So I was so embarrassed. I said, Robert, I can't go tell those people we found it, but we've got to tell them. So he went down and told them we found the money bag. Uh, but then we were laying there, and we, neither one of us could sleep. We'd lay there and think about it, and then we'd start laughing. And <laughs> So finally, I even went down finally and apologized to them. I bet they were sick of me coming down to apologize, and I did it twice. <laughs> and... So then we just got up. We thought we can't sleep anyway, so we just got up like at 3 o'clock in the morning and started home. Oh, but that was crazy. I remember that very well. And I'm going to switch directions on you and ask you a question. What is a hoop snake, and where did you learn about this amazing creature? Oh, my grandmother, she was blind, but she loved to sing and us kids would sit around her rocking chair and she would sing to us and tell us stories. She even did it for you guys mm-hmm. when you were little. Anyway, one was the story about a hoop snake. <laughs> it was uh, it would bite it would stick its tail in its mouth till it made a big hoop and then it would roll <laughs> everywhere and she was scared to death of this hoop snake. <laughs> you told me about a hoop snake one time or that she told that it ran into a walnut tree and bit the tree and the tree died she probably did i i remember her definitely you, telling you, me uh, that yeah so what were granddad and grandma johnson like she well, was blind but she was blind and he couldn't hear so he was the <laughs> ear uh, eyes and she was the ears right. and him he couldn't hear and we made a family joke out of this when he couldn't hear us, he'd say, hey, what'd you say? And <laughs> so that was always a family joke. If someone said, what'd you say? We say, hey, what'd you say? But uh, they they really didn't. They went to church when I was younger, but after that, they very seldom went anywhere. They just stayed home. They lived for a long time. Yeah, she lived to be 102, and he was probably 94. Oh, my goodness. So, uh-huh. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite memories with them is every Christmas we would go over to their house and they had that little organ and I would play the organ and we would sing Christmas carols as a family. Right. Grandma loved to sing. Her favorite song uh, was, uh, It Is Well With My Soul. Mm. And she would sing that and just lay her head back and sing. I'm not going to sing for you. It Is Well With My Soul real loud. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I remember. I just remember just how... They seemed to work together as a team. Uh, they did. It was <laughs> awesome. That's just a special memory for me as a right. kid from when I was a kid. Right. Uh, again, switching gears, uh, can you tell me about the time Aunt Patsy hurt her hand at the sail barn? Oh. And before you go on, for you city slickers out there, a sail barn is what you call a stockyard or a cattle auction. So you and Aunt Patsy worked in the office there? Right. Our... Uh, our aunt and uncle owned the stockyards, and we worked in the office for them. And uh, when we'd get through with tickets, it was one of those things that has a base, and then it's a nail sticking up that we would put the tickets down on. And I don't know. I said something funny once, and Patsy went to hit the desk, and instead she hit that nail, and the <laughs> nail went plumb through her hand. <laughs> she had to go get a tetanus shot. 
I that. remember yeah, that. She had to go to the emergency room. I was probably four or five, but I still remember uh-huh. that. Uh, speaking of that, around the same time, can you tell us about the time the Bramer Bull got out of the stockyards and all us kids were playing outside? Oh, the, my cousin uh, had a house there at the stockyards, and we would get a babysitter, and she would keep all of our kids at the, at my cousin's house. And uh, one day, this really bad, mean bull got out and was running around. People were Men were trying to get it in, and it would ram their pickups and... They called the babysitter and told her to get all the kids in the house. Well, <laughs> all of them went in the house, but my one niece, and she was like, what, four years old, five at the most, and she ran down into the cellar that instead was Donna of Sue. Uh-huh, into the house, and <laughs> and and the bull was standing up <laughs> at the top of the cellar looking down at her scratching the ground with its hoof and snorting and she was looking up at the bull but thankfully the bull just took off and went somewhere else it didn't go down in the cellar that's just part of our childhood <laughs> right those were normal things for us <laughs> uh, speaking of which tell the story about Paul and Sam and the matches oh my goodness uh, <laughs> Paul Paul was about what five years old six Sam was probably two Anyway, they were in the stock trailer, and there was hay on the floor of the stock trailer, and they were striking matches and blowing them out and throwing them on the floor. Well, one match wasn't out, and they set the hay on fire on the floor of the stock trailer, caught the stock trailer on fire. When we saw the smoke, we ran out there. We couldn't find them, and they got scared and had crawled (laughs) underneath the stock trailer and it on fire. My brothers are so smart. (laughs) Oh, uh, I know you probably don't like to talk about this, but can you tell us about the incident with uh, my brother Paul and the tractor? You mean when I ran over? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, I can already tell this story without crying. Okay, uh, Paul was like fifteen months old, and we had have a gully going through the property, and we were out. Uh, Robert was fixing that. Tin horn. Tin horn that went across the gully. So we had my nephew Danny and Dennis. They were just little bitty, and Paul was 15 months old. And Robert told me to bring the tractor over to him. And so I got on the tractor, and Paul was crying for me and raising his hands up. And so I told him to come over there. And... uh, I was going to reach down and get him on the tractor with me. When I reached down to get him, my foot slipped off the clutch, and the tractor, the back wheel of the tractor, rolled right over him. It went from his feet up to his head, and he turned his head to the side when the big wheel went over mm-hmm. it. But I don't. to this day, you hear people telling about something bad they can't remember. It is true because... To this day, I cannot remember. I can't remember getting off. I was, by the way, eight months pregnant with Bobby. (laughs) Driving a tractor, taking care of three or four boys. And big pregnant. And I I jumped off the tractor, and the tractor kept going. And uh, I don't remember picking Paul up. But the next thing I remember is... Paul and I are laying on the ground. I was halfway from the gully to the house. I remember Robert coming and picking us up off the ground. Anyway, 
we wound up having to, he had a real bad concussion and he was unconscious. So we wound up getting him to St. We took him to Muskogee Hospital. I shouldn't say Muskogee because the doctor there, he was unconscious, but the doctor checked him over and said he was okay. Just take him home. And he told me if that I was in worse shape than Paul was, and if I didn't settle down, he was going to give me something to settle me down, and mm. I I wouldn't let him. I wouldn't do that. Right. So then we called our doctor in Sapalpa and took him up there, and he sent him to St. John's then, and for three days he was unconscious and had bruises on him. On the third day he woke up, every bruise was gone, and he's never had a problem from it since. He was just like he was before it ever happened. Wow. Well, that explains it, a lot about Paul. And That's the, just all I'm saying. The doctors would have other doctors <laughs> come in and look at him because the doctor couldn't believe it either. Well, since we're talking about Paul, oh. tell tell the story about the broken time he broke his neck and the uh, men who met us at the met okay. you guys at the. We were on the Illinois River, and what we would do, we'd take everybody up the river and carry our inner tubes and uh we were in a just an aluminum fishing boat but uh so robert was going to take us up and let us float back down on the way up there was a swing going out over the river and Mm -hmm. you guys wanted to stop and play on the swing it was our four boys and Lori, and it was glenn and there were glenn and two more adults glenn and sunny and me and robert Robert was in his boat fishing while the kids were playing. I, he wouldn't have caught a fish, but he was out there fishing. And I was on an inner tube out in the water. This girl went out on the, Lori went out on the swing, but then she was afraid to let go. And when she come back toward the, it was a 15-foot embankment, Paul re- reached out to get her, and he missed her, and he fell. And if he would have just fallen, he'd have probably broken an arm or something, but he landed on the top of his head and hit a rock just under the water. And uh, I was trying to get to him, and you got to him before I did. But he had already gotten himself out of the water. But I could tell something was wrong. Yeah, he had a six-inch gash across his head that was bleeding bad. and, And so we couldn't get every... We had to put Paul down in the floor of the boat, and I sat in a seat and held his head and put a towel on top of his head to try to stop the bleeding, and he was saying, oh, my neck, my neck. So we was afraid his neck might be broke. Anyway, we were miles from anywhere, and we just, you were 16, so Paul was 15. So you and Sonny and the other kids, we told you just to walk till you found a house and get them to take you back to the river. We took Paul to the um, hospital in Tahlequah, and they put us all in an ambulance and sent us to Tulsa. And Well, tell about what happened when you got to the boat ramp. Oh, I forgot that. When we got to the boat ramp, uh, there, there weren't any more campers down there but us, but there were three men standing there, and it was like they were waiting on us. They were... Mm-hmm. they were at the water waiting on us and helped us get out and helped us get Paul in their uh, car. And uh, one of them went to the hospital with us. The other two stayed at camp. There were two women that were with us that they didn't go with us. 
they stayed in camp. Yeah. They never saw the men, and we never saw or heard from them after we got to the hospital. We call them Paul's angels yeah. <laughs> because they were there like they had been sent there to help us. I, I remember that so well. And he was never paralyzed yeah. or anything, but he it took him about several about six months before he could even go back to school. But yeah, which of us four boys was the most accident prone? <laughs> Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get that on Paul. Recording. Definitely. All of you were accident prone, but oh, that's Paul true. especially. I've broken my arm like four times <laughs> since I was a kid. Uh, the grandkids wanted me to ask you about a typical day on the farm, how you raised us boys, did all the housework, worked as a school secretary, and still helped Daddy in the field with the farming and stuff. I don't know how I did all that, but it it was never hard, and I've still got enough energy to to do that to this day. But I, I just did it. I, uh, uh, I was Robert's number one farmhand until the boys got big and... <laughs> And uh, I just, I just did it. Well, that uh, reminds me of uh, the last time we did an interview. I asked you what was uh, your favorite song, and you said "Like a River" or "I, I Will Trust You." Uh-huh. And we played "Like a River" last time, so we're going to play "I Will Trust You." And I think it's perfect timing, uh, especially when we're thinking about how God intervened for Paul's life when he broke his neck. Right. And, had those men just waiting there. I just think that's a perfect time. Right. Let me go ahead and share the story behind the song while we're here. The song, I Will Trust You, is from the worship recording by the same title, I Will Trust You. And it was born on February 24th, way back in 1993. Here's the story behind the song. Just two weeks prior to the time I would be stepping down as worship leader from the body of, of Christ I had been a part of for almost eight years, Many thoughts of insecurity flooded my mind and affected every aspect of my life. I knew I had heard God that I was to step down, but I was constantly bombarded with doubts and fears and lies. Things like, what will people think? Will I be able to provide for my family? Will the people I respect understand and accept my decision? Will my ministry to the body die? Etc., 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 yada, yada, yada. (laughs) This song became my deepest heart cry for the next few months, and little did I know how much deeper a truth I would learn. Through this song and through the circumstances of nearly losing my wife and the premature birth of our twin sons, I found out not only that I could trust God with my heart of hearts, but also that I do trust him. Let's listen right now. Here's the song, I Will Trust You. I cannot speak, but you become my song, always there to answer when I call, and I will trust you in the darkness, I will trust you in life's harshness, oh I will 
And Father, I trust you with my heart. And Lord, when I can't see That's the perfect song for today's podcast. I just want to ask you a couple more questions. Okay. I know you love spending time through the years. Ever since I was little, you spent so much time with my aunt Patsy and Aunt Annie, and y'all were just, I said it on the last podcast, you were like Lucy and Ethel and Ethel. <laughs> it was awesome. But y'all have so many adventures, and I just wanted to... Uh, See if you would mind telling about a couple of times when y'all got tickled at different times and like maybe didn't y'all go and see the Titanic exhibit or am at, I at Branson? A, yeah, yeah, we didn't care much for that. <laughs> just to be honest, it, it, I just seem to remember that one of you fell down or something, or was that at 
when you were looking for a family grave? Oh, yeah. We used to go to uh, Slagle, uh, Missouri, the Johnson family. Uh, okay, we went to the, where the old home place was, and there was a spring still there called Johnson Spring. And so we went and looked up Johnson Spring, and me and Patsy were going to wade across the little creek there, and <laughs> I just went across in my tennis shoes. But she said, well, I'm not going to get my uh, shoes and feet wet so she pulled her shoes off and started to cross and she slipped on a slick rock and fell flat of herself she didn't only get her shoes wet she got everything wet <laughs> uh, and wasn't there a time when you were at one of my mom's favorite things to, to, to do which is something I intend to carry on is uh, take time at the family cemetery and talk about the family history but there was a time when one of y'all fell at the cemetery. That was Annie. She bent over to push the flowers down in the vase, and she fell flat of herself, a stomach across the grave, and she was needing help up, and <laughs> she was telling me, you better not take my picture. And I said, Annie, I can't help myself. And <laughs> I took the picture before I held her, helped her up. Well, can you think of uh, particular times when you guys got so tickled you couldn't stop laughing? Cause oh, those that are... happened all the time. We we went in one store in Branson, and I it was in the 70s when the belt buckles, big belt buckles were popular, mm-hmm. and I was going to try to find each of you guys a belt buckle. And we went in this store, and I meant to say, do you have any belt buckles but instead I got my tongue twisted and I said do you have any butt buckles <laughs> <laughs> we all got so tickled that we finally just had to leave the store because we couldn't quit laughing that's the reason I didn't get a butt buckle <laughs> that's right <laughs> I just have one more question for you what are some of your favorite memories of uh, raising four boys uh I don't know if you remember this or not, but I used to take y'all walking in the pasture all the time. And when y'all were little, I taught you how the mama cow uh, put her baby in the grass to uh, hide it. Mm-hmm. And I, me and you and the others all laid down in that grass and uh, pretended to be the calf. And I told y'all you could do that in the wintertime when it was cold and it would keep you warm. And... Uh, I don't know if you remember that or not, <laughs> but uh, I did. I got out and played with you. Uh, I r- rode horses with you some, not a lot, uh, when y'all were little. Yeah. And um, uh, I played ball, basketball. Uh, mostly I griped at you. <laughs> no, I didn't really. I don't but, remember griping. But uh, getting you... It, it, telling you not to do stuff that I knew would hurt you. Like one time this man we knew called and said, you better get those boys off that barn or we're going to cut their leg off. And I didn't even know y'all were on the barn. <laughs> That's what griped me about the neighbors. I'd be driving down the dirt road and before I'd get home, this certain neighbor, I won't mention the name, but you know who I'm talking about. But when I walked in the door, you said, well, I heard you were speeding down the dirt road. And I'm like... And I said her name, and you said, yep, she called. Yeah. 
I never got mad about it. I would just thank people for calling and say, I really appreciate you watching out for my kids. Yeah, we couldn't get away um, with anything. Uh-uh. That was awesome. I, I loved growing up with you. I just am so glad you were my mom. Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm going to stop asking you questions. That's enough for today. Okay. And so just thanks for joining me here again. And we'll probably do this again sometime okay. in the near future. Love you. Love you. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed today's podcast as much as I have. It, it was worth hearing her try to pronounce the word or the letters UFO. That made my day for some reason. It's just my mom. She's funny. She makes me laugh. She has brought so much joy into my life. And it means so much to me to be able to chronicle so many memories from my mom's life as a part of her legacy to my family, to our family. My mom's all about making great memories, as you can probably tell. And I hope you've been inspired to take a little time to write down or video your own memories as part of the legacy you leave behind for your own children and your grandchildren for generations to come. Well, today's episode of the Dennis Jernigan Podcast is brought to you as usual by mpdesignsjewelry.com. At mpdesignsjewelry.com, you'll find beautifully crafted one-of-a-kind jewelry, or you can have the artisan, my awesome, amazing, beautiful wife, Melinda, create a special piece for someone special in your life. And I am so excited to tell you about a brand new sponsor that we'd like to welcome to the Dennis Jernigan podcast team. I personally record and produce the Dennis Jernigan podcast each week. I sit here in my man cave, which is my studio, and record away to my heart's content. I use an iMac with a 27-inch screen and record using the software called Logic Pro. The mic I happen to use is a Shure SM7B that I purchased at today's new sponsor, TrumanAudio.com. I am so proud of this mic, and I love the way it makes my Parkinson's voice sound. Just saying. (laughs) And to get a mic just like the one I use, you can purchase the DIY kit for $129 or the answer, that's A-N-S-E-R, answer preamp pre-installed into a brand new Shure SM7B for only $549 at trumanaudio.com. For all you tech heads out there, the answer preamp allows you to add plus 25 decibels of clean, transparent gain to your SM7B right from the microphone itself. No more inline box, no more extra cable. I love the fact that this mic is also called the answer because I believe it will be the answer to your questions about what mic to use when recording your own podcast or your own vocal performance. Check it out for me. Get yours and get more information at trumanaudio.com. Now to help with the ongoing costs of and creation of this podcast, would you consider becoming a member of my team? If so, just go to patreon.com slash Dennis Jernigan to find out more. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash Dennis Jernigan. There's another way you can give toward the work of ministry God has called us to. Just go to allinallchurch.com and click the donate online button. It's simple and it's easy and you might just be encouraged by one of the teaching blogs I posted there. Check it out, allinallchurch.com. You can join us online the first Wednesday evening of each month for worship at All in All Church. Just go to facebook.com slash the real Dennis Jernigan at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Mark it in your calendar right now. Worship with All in All Church first Wednesday of each month. That's facebook.com slash the real Dennis Jernigan, 7 p.m.
p.m. Central Standard Time. And would you do one more thing for me? I know I'm asking a lot today. Would you mind taking just a few seconds and leaving me a review wherever you happen to listen to the Dennis Jernigan podcast? It really does help increase listeners when you leave those reviews, and it just would mean a lot to me. Now, don't forget to check out my books on Amazon, like my autobiography, Sing Over Me, the follow-up book, Renewing Your Mind. You can also get copies of our latest book, The Middle of Nowhere, which details some of my journey through the most difficult times of my life, including my current battle with Parkinson's. I also have two fantasy book series for young readers. I have several children's books, several devotional books, and a novel called The Short Life. They're all available at Amazon.com. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Dennis Jernigan Podcast. If you'd like more information on me or my story or my music, you can go to DennisJernigan.com. You can also follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram. You can find me on iTunes. And if you would like an MP3 of today's song, I will trust you. Just go to the store at DennisJernigan.com or go to iTunes. And remember this, if you get nothing else from today's podcast, get this. God loves you, and so do I. Now go and be who Father says you are. Love